My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with female and female-identified entrepreneurs, founders, co-founders, business owners, and industry gurus. These podcasts speak with women and women-identified individuals across all industries in order to shed light for those just getting into the entrepreneurial game as well as those deeply embedded within it. Histories, current companies, and lessons learned are explored in the conversations I have with these insightful and talented powerhouses. The series is designed to investigate a female and female-identified perspective in what has largely been a male-dominated industry in the USA to date. I look forward to contributing to the national dialogue about the long overdue change of women in American business arenas and in particular entrepreneurial roles. You can contact me via my media company website, wild.agency, that's W-I-L-D-E dot agency, or my personal website, patriciacathleen.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi everyone and welcome back. This is your host, Patricia. And today I am sitting down with Stephanie Sue. She is the founder and designer of Pursue Collection. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. And I will be um, first going over the roadmap today of um, today's podcast, and then I will drop straight into a brief bio, and then we will be off to the races with questions for Stephanie. Um, a quick roadmap of today's um, podcast, we're going to look at Stephanie's academic background and early professional life, and then we'll start unpacking Pursue Collection and other endef- um, endeavors that Stephanie may be involved in. We'll get into the logistics of the Pursue Collection, namely the who, what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, We'll get into funding. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Stephanie's got a very different path on that than a lot of our podcasts, so I'm excited to get into that. And then we'll turn our attention straight to the goals that Stephanie has for the next three years for Pursue Collection regarding scaling, brand expansion, um, and other areas that she might foresee any changes. And then we'll wrap everything up with advice that Stephanie has. Um, For those of you who are looking to get involved, um, mirror what she's doing and all that good stuff. A quick bio on Stephanie. Um, In 2013, founder and designer of Pursuit Collection, Stephanie Sue was hauling her fitness gear from work to her boxing and dance classes when she realized the need for a functional yet chic athletic bag, one that could hold all her fitness accessories, work essentials, and fit in at the office. Struggling to find a bag that could fit all of her active life needs and influenced by her experience working for luxury fashion house Louis Vuitton, Stephanie decided to design her own dream gym bag, one that had the sleek looks of a weekender, but the durability and functionality of a gear-heavy fitness equipment bag. In 2015, Stephanie launched her innovative bags called Pursue Collection on Kickstarter and raised over $90,000 in just 43 days, throwing her into the world of entrepreneurship. Her bags have been featured in Forbes, Self, Brit, Plesco and Marie Claire. Stephanie has continued her passion of designing for function with timeless designs and focused on the last three years of carefully creating two new bags, the Ama bag and the Kila bag. And I'm going to have her correct those pronunciations if they're (laughs) wrong for work, travel, and leisure activities and launched her second Kickstarter campaign, which was successfully funded in seven and a half hours. 
The AMA backpack features the, a TSA-compliant thick neoprene laptop pocket. No need to take your laptop out at TSA. And 20-plus hidden features. And the 3-in-1 Kilo bag or Quilla bag can be worn as a stylish belt bag, crossbody, or clutch. These bags are now live on Kickstarter at special pre-ordering prices. As a solo entrepreneur, she understands how hard and isolating the journey can be and has, active, has been active in promoting collaboration and women's entrepreneurship through her experience in the LA Accelerator Grid 110 or Grid 110, depending on how you want to say it, and as a member of the F Project. So, Stephanie, you have an, a very fascinating um, history, and I'm excited to kind of get into the founding of the Pursue Collection, as well as all of your Kickstarter um, wild success. However, first, will you start us off with um, a little bit about your academic background and early professional life? Yeah, so I'm originally born and raised in Sacramento, but I moved to L.A. to attend UCLA. Uh, for college, and I studied political science, and I had a, a minor in film, television, and digital media. And after college, I went straight into working for in, in the entertainment industry. So I first did a lot of like PR, entertainment PR internships, and then realized that I liked marketing more than PR. So I moved into working at marketing um, and advertising sales for a big entertainment company. Nice. And in between, before I, I really got into the career uh, job after the internships, I actually worked at Louis Vuitton, and that experience basically helped um, helped me realize that I can create a bag. What did you do at Louis Vuitton? So I just worked in the store. Um, I worked seasonally at first, and then I got referred over to the Rodeo store and worked there in operations. And Rodeo is it's such a large store there's so many moving pieces and Louis Vuitton as a company really trains their employees on um, on the bags very well mm -hmm. and so it made me look at bags differently because before I looked at fashion and accessories and all as one bucket just kind of like cute I like it or I don't like it but then working at Louis Vuitton they make you really like look at the details like this one has this and versus that one and um, the shapes what they mean because they evolved through uh, basically the history of travel is how we came to make handbags because yeah. once we started, you know, using the train and stuff like that, then we need bags that are smaller that we can carry and they become yeah. handbags. Absolutely. So I, you know, and that's funny, but you say that Louis Vuitton is um, one of the first handbag designers that I have a s nothing small about it but an, uh, an obsession I was going to say a small obsession but unfortunately <laughs> it's large with handbags and mm -hmm. um, Louis Vuitton was one of the first handbags that I ever actually felt um, in person where it felt it, the attention to I bought a weekender this was uh -huh. um, a decade ago and uh -huh. um, it's still true the hardware the zipper mm -hmm. the it had like the toughness of like mm -hmm stuff that you know the marines use it's it was incredibly durable feeling uh -huh. while still retaining that kind of luxe um authentic i have one with a gold accent and mm -hmm. um, it was so it's the, those things that you're talking about that really kind of made me start to examine other bags you know that had and i know that it's been done throughout history on minor scales with chanel using that um very iconic um you know 
the chain and things like that, that kind of mm-hmm. leads to durability. It's where like fashion and utility, I think have this intersection or the mm-hmm. art through mm-hmm. utility. But um, it was, yeah, Louis Vuitton's and The Weekender. It's funny that, you know, your bio mentions that because it's such an iconic size of bag. You know, it's mm-hmm. this kind of maybe two days um, or gym clothes or something size of a bag that you can do. And it reminds me a lot when I looked at the Pursue collection, it reminded me a lot of your collection. So did you go straight to, did you develop Pursue straight from Louis Vuitton? No. So what happened is I, yeah, I, so I studied political science and film. I interned in all entertainment PR and and one of the internships, they they had like a rotation where they show you all the different departments of the agency and marketing was the one that caught my eye the most. And so then I started searching for marketing jobs in entertainment and then worked at Louis Vuitton. And once I got that marketing job, I left Louis Vuitton and I worked in that corporate entertainment company for three years, four years, actually four years total. And I started designing that bag probably like two or three years in to that corporate job. So um, it was not related. And so that's why I'm, it's, it's like that experience influenced me later, but I didn't know it would. Gotcha. Because when I was looking, I couldn't find a gym bag. So working at Louis Vuitton wasn't, I didn't, I didn't design a bag right after working at Louis Vuitton. It was years later when I couldn't find a gym bag that I liked. Um, All of a sudden I was, you know, I just knew, I know how I would make the ultimate gym bag. I know what it would look like. I know I'd, what I want inside. I know what materials I would use. And I think that was influenced from my previous experience years ago working at Louis Vuitton just because they made me notice bags in a way that I never noticed them before. Absolutely. Um, so when let's get into kind of the some of the logistics about um, for the Pursue collection. When was it launched and did anyone found it with you or was it just you? Uh, it was just me, and I officially launched in 2015. Nice. And did you know immediately that you needed to get on Kickstarter? Um, kind of. So basically, in 2013 is when I started designing the bag because I, I used to never work out. And then I think just living in L.A., working this corporate job, started getting into fitness classes um, through Groupon. And, and then I was bringing my gym bag to work every single day because if I didn't bring it to work and I went home to change, I just wouldn't go work out. So it was part of my routine that I had to bring it every day. Mm -hmm. And my gym bag was falling apart and it wasn't organized. Like there were no functionality pockets inside. So I used plastic bags to keep things separate. And I started looking for a nice gym bag that I could use and I couldn't find one. And um, so I decided to design my own. And I know like Louis Vuitton has the big weekender bags that keep all duffels, uh, but they, in themselves, they're also a big space with like one pocket inside. Yep. They don't yeah. have a lot of functionality. And so I just thought, you know, I think I can design my own because I'm not going to find what I want. And um, I purposely wanted to use vegan leather versus real leather just because the care for vegan leather is also easier. Because with a luxury handbag, you can't just like get it wet and throw it around. You have to take care of it. So absolutely. And it's sustainable. I mean, there's a lot of argument getting into the eco, you know, yeah, you have a larger audience as a young startup, if you have, you know, sustainable eco leather, as opposed to the other as well. So I think that's a smart choice. Um, So the impetus for the launch was really just because you yourself did not have like a great um, gym bag, a great like multi-purpose, good looking gym bag. Yeah, I just I went 
you know, around LA to all the malls. And I was looking in um, the like high-end department stores and looking at all the bags and the nice weekender bags are luxury bags. Like, I mean, they cost like a thousand dollars and they're not functional for the gym or they're at the time it was like Nike duffels, which is not what I wanted. No. Yeah, I I agree. I think (laughs) that there isn't a lot. And even some of the ones that are suited or slated towards, I would argue like a female or female identified audience are too small. Puma Mm -hmm. came out with one that I loved, but it was the size of like a larger handbag. It wasn't going to be Mm. able to hold like you, you know, your bio mentions um, one I read on your website, um, boxing gloves and dance classes and things Mm -hmm. like that. Like you need a a little bit larger of a bag. And so I think that there is like a disparity. I think I've been using bags that weren't intended to be gym bags as gym bags, you know, and then it's funny that you mentioned the pocket organization because Mm -hmm. I just started buying like bag organizers, like inserts for every bag because it was, you know, it was impossible to keep things straight. So tell me when you, um, when you first launched it or you came up with the idea did you know anything about your Kickstarter campaign or did you learn about it? Did you have someone helping you get acclimated to that? So I just took it step by step because this started as a passion project. I, I didn't know where I was going to take it. It was first like, I can't find a bag. I think I can design one because I can already see it in my mind. And so I just did that. And then um, I got a manufacturer to make it. Luckily for me, my dad um, works with bag manufacturers, but that also wasn't why I thought I'll make a bag. It was like, first I came up with this design and then I kind of looked around and was like, how can I get it made? And then I realized my dad works with um, bag manufacturers because that's what he used to do. Um, Not fashion bags, but more B2B um, business bags. And they were for travel, so they're functional. They're just not pretty. And that could have influenced me too because growing up, he would bring all these... um, like work, ugly work bags, basically home because he's testing them and um, looking at prototypes. And I would see them had zero interest in any of them. But maybe, you know, I saw a lot of functional bags growing up. So that could have been a possible reason why when I couldn't find a bag, I just thought I I just know how I would do it. And so after I designed it, um, it wasn't a very conventional way because I didn't have a fashion design background. So I couldn't sketch or I couldn't do CAD. Mm-hmm. Um, all I had was Microsoft Word and PowerPoint, so I used that to put my d- design together. And it was kind of like a weird, like I'm embarrassed to show anyone because it's it was just like sketches with arrows and like. No way! These- you should frame it. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my god! Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think that it there was- is that. That's a really curious thing, though, for people who want to design things but don't have a background in that. It's still possible. You know, Mm -hmm. you just, you need another step. It's not like designers are the only ones that can concoct ideas of something that they want to develop. It's just, it becomes a collaborative effort at that point, right? Like, did you meet up with anyone who had CAD experience or how did you get an actual rendering that um, the manufacturers could look at? Well, that's where I got lucky. So they, because my dad had manufacturers relationships, um, he found me one that was willing to take my design as is and try to craft a sample through that. Most of them require a tech pack that Mm -hmm. has like an exact blueprint of what you want. But he just went to someone he had a long relationship with and said, you know, my daughter's designed this bag. She wants to get it made. Can you guys try to make her a sample? This is what she has. And it was a PowerPoint with a Microsoft Word document that had additional instructions because I didn't know how else to explain my design. And, they took it 
because of him. And then they made me a sample. And that I think was the most exciting thing for me to like get that in the mail and see like, wow, like my design is, you know, in real life. And so that's why it was even more exciting to keep working on it. Cause even though it was done, it wasn't perfect. And I wanted it to be perfect. So I'm like, I like it, but I want to change this and that. And then I started taking that. I was just so excited about it. I took it out and showed everybody. I got feedback, like, what, what would you change? What's missing? Uh, I just was really determined to make it the perfect bag. And I'd spent about a year doing that. And they kept making me new samples until, and then I went over there too to visit them. And then um, once I got the final prototypes done, I, I designed two bags, the Tom bag and the Jessica bag. I wanted to produce some and I had no idea like any of that industry. So I didn't know that there was a minimum order involved, how much it would cost, mm-hmm. but they told me and they said, okay, well you can't just produce 10 of them. You can produce hundreds. That's the only way we'll make it for you. And it's, uh, the total was $30,000 just to them. And I was in my early twenties. I did not have the money at all. So that's when I was like, well, how can I, <laughs> how can I get this money? And I had heard about Kickstarter. And so I started to research it more and I, I figured, well, that's where I should put it. And so I just, um, I spent about eight months putting together my first campaign. I didn't have any, I didn't know anyone who had run one. So I didn't, I didn't talk to anyone about that. But what I did do on my own is research like Kickstarter campaigns. I watched um, like an on-demand how to put together a Kickstarter campaign video on one of those on-demand learning sites. I can't remember which one. Mm-hmm. And then I researched other people's campaigns. Like I spent hours and or days and days just looking at other people's campaigns to see like, what are the components? What do I need to do? And, and with that, I had a roadblock because I saw that like the campaigns that look beautiful are all made up of graphics. Cause if you sign into Kickstarter, you're given this like blank scrolling, um, Sure. Box. And so all you can do is put in like basic words and then images. So to make it pretty, you need to make everything a graphic. And I, I didn't have a graphic design background either. Mm-hmm. So I took like five workshops through General Assembly, which is a, uh, it's like a, I guess it's like a school. <laughs> yeah, a school in LA uh, where you can take workshops on random things. And so I found one on InDesign and Illustrator and Photoshop. And then I took like a PR for startups and then a Instagram marketing one just, just because, because I was like, well, I'm starting my own business, anything that might help me. And so I took those and I learned a basic foundation of graphic design. And that's how I designed all the graphics you saw in my first Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's I think amazing. so you were just self-taught whatever you needed to learn, you went off and learned. Yeah. I would just like, look, look to see what resources I can find. So up to this point, outside of getting all of the feedback from friends and family and taking the prototypes around and all of that, and then self-learning, have you taken anyone else on at this point in the the Pursue Collection history? You've just been doing it all yourself. So once you so hard. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Going it alone. But it is cool because you've kind of become this maverick of your entire, they say, learn it from the inside out. You know, one of the first things that you should do is know every aspect of your company. And the second thing you should do is outsource anything you're not excellent at if you can. That's what I need to work on. That's yeah. the outsourcing part. <laughs> so when you, um, with the Kickstarter campaign, you learned how to do all of these things so that you could develop it. And you said it took you about eight months. Mm-hmm. And after um, you developed it, when you launched your 
your campaign, is it, was it the eight months that you were talking about um, as far as launching it that you raised the $90,000 or was it, um, no, it says 43 days later. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Go for it. Oh, it took me eight months to put together the campaign and then I launched it. And and on Kickstarter, you choose how many days you're going to give yourself to raise the money. And that's anywhere between zero and 60 days is the max. And I chose six weeks, which ended up with the dates I chose was 43 days. So I gave myself 43 days to raise the $30,000 and I was able to exceed my goal. So by the close of 43, I had over 90. And then were you off to the races? Was it straight back to the manufacturer and fulfilling all of that and getting everything done to get, like move to the next stage? Or did you start taking them into retailers simultaneously? Have you gone into like actual physical boutiques or is it a strictly online affair still? It's still strictly online affair. I, I was in Kitson um, before they closed down. I don't know if they reopened back up, but they, they, they bought a few from me and then they like at the end of the year, they closed down. This was in my first year. Um, and then that's it. I'm just online. I think it's, I'm not against, actually, okay. So it's strange because when I first started, I really wanted to make this an e-commerce, like traditional e-commerce, direct-to-consumer, cut out the middleman type of company. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to price them low so that you pass the savings to the consumer. But I don't have experience in running a business like this, like working in entertainment especially like a large entertainment company is so different from having a small business and it has nothing to do with yeah, fashion and any of the wholesale retail. So I figured I could do it like that where I don't have retailers, but I didn't have a budget for marketing. And so I really, really struggled and I had to raise my prices over the years in order to accommodate for wholesale um, opportunities. And I what have not the, yet. What about the new designs? What an influence like that creation? So that was influenced because I was thrown into entrepreneurship right after the Kickstarter campaign. There were so many things to do. I had to go into production. I had to figure out how to get them over via ocean and uh, freight. And then um, I had to send all of them out. And I started traveling a lot um, for my business, just up throughout California, internationally, even just going into my office because I was in a fashion tech accelerator in downtown L.A., And so the other bag that I would be using a lot is a backpack. And the backpack I had wasn't very functional. Um, It was starting to rip and it was not comfortable, especially because I was using public transportation. It was just not a good backpack. And I also put a survey out to my Kickstarter backers asking, like, if I was to design another bag, what what should it be? And backpack was the most highly rated. Mm -hmm. So... I spent the last three years working on the backpack. Um, I researched a lot of different backpacks and there's a lot of functional backpacks out there. So it's not like my backpack is the only functional backpack, but what I realized was majority of those functional backpacks were extremely masculine. Um, even if they're considered like sleek functional backpacks, it's sleek for, to me, a man's style. Um, it didn't fit me very well. They were very rectangular or puffy, just too big. And I wanted something that was much more trim. And from the exterior, it looks like a regular backpack. Like the way, if you go to Louis Vuitton, if a girl buys a fashion backpack, she buys one that's the traditional style. So it's not like a square or anything like that. Like the modern square backpacks they make for men now. Mm -hmm. It's just a traditional, like almost like Jansport's um, shape. 
And right. so I wanted the traditional shape and I wanted it to be sleek and then still have all the same functionality that the other like functional backpacks had, but looked much sleeker on the outside for women. Absolutely. So you have the backpack and then you have one more, um, for lack of a better, it's like a waist belt, fanny pack looking. Yeah. What is that one called? It is the Kila bag. So the reason why it's Kila is it's short for tequila and tequila was the name of my dog that passed. So okay, I, I think yeah. I said that wrong in two different ways originally. No, you, you said Kila. You <laughs> Did said I say Kila? Yeah. So I was like, oh, she got it. Yeah. yeah I got confused by that. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I like the look of the Kila. It looks more sleek than um, some of the other like belt bags and things like that. Does it have organization on the inside? Yeah, it has three pockets in the inside, a key holder. Um, and, and then it's just got, it's got a lot of room in this, in the space of the bag for a small bag. So it can fit like a battery pack, your phone, wallet can fit quite a bit. And I designed that one because, um, you know, sometimes you need just like a small purse um, when you're going out and I liked the idea of having that one purse be able to be worn in three different ways. Mm. So when I pack, I can just pack that and it comes with like a shoulder strap. So I can use it as a crossbody. comes with a belt strap. So you can use it as a belt bag and then you can just have no straps and carry it as a clutch, which I've done for weddings. Um, so, and part of that was influenced with Louis Vuitton too, because um, we were given a uniform bag and um, it had the option of either crossbody or belt. And I always chose belt because you're hands free and, you know, it's much more functional, but sometimes you want crossbody. So basically I was just like, you know what, that, that would be a really good bag for a woman to have is just this multifunctional bag that she can always use and just pack that and she's good to go and it still looks stylish. So it's not like a sporty fanny. Absolutely. So did you do a second Kickstarter campaign for the second round of bags for the backpack and the um, crossbody or the, the triple um, body bag? Yeah. So I did a second Kickstarter campaign um, because I just needed to raise the money to produce these bags and I was able to successfully fund in seven and a half hours. That seems like you might be like a Kickstarter superstar. Like that sounds really, really fast. Was it because of your faithful um, previous following or do you think that you kind of honed those skills? I think I honed them. I mean, it's, it's both. Um, Kickstarters are really hard to do and a lot of the work is upfront. So I think some people are mistaken when they think, oh, I'll just, I'll just put together a campaign and launch it and then they just expect everything to come in. Mm -hmm. I had to plan so many things in advance to get people to even look at it on day one. Yeah. So absolutely. Well, it's an incredible success. I mean, I think it screams to both um, the utility and the beauty of your bag and design and also just your, it's not surprising, you know, for someone who's going to workshops to get some basic graphic designs down and things like that, just to launch your first company. It's not surprising that that kind of reads all the way through the continuity even of your product. I'm wondering what, um, if you've, you know, you've launched in 2015 and then you kind of slowly ramped up everything, but it seems like since you've been actually producing product and putting it out there, you've gone pretty quickly and your response um, from Kickstarter and things like that has been fast. What are the next um, goals that you see on the horizon for the next one to three years? Um, so I do wanna move into wholesale. And so I have priced accordingly. So that's why like this Kickstarter is going to be a really good deal just because after that I'm, I'm going straight to like retail, traditional retail pricing. Um, but 
I, so I enjoy designing bags, but I only design when there is a need. So I don't, I can't produce bags as quickly as like a fashion company that's making something every season because I like to, these backpacks took me three years. I really like to design when there's a need and be very thoughtful about it. Mm-hmm. And um, so then these bags last a long time. And in my first year of designing these bags, I saw a documentary about fast fashion and I saw the effects of fast fashion on the environment. And I felt really, really guilty about producing bags. And so that has always stayed with me. And I've done what I can to make sure that my bags are not fast fashion. And that's part of the reason why I don't pressure myself to design bags just for no reason, just because just to sell people a new color or like a new, slightly different design. Um, I only like to design when I see a need and I like to see it all the way through. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the future of Pursue Collection, I'm going to continue like that, but also look more into conscious consumerism and see what I could do to help the environment instead of hurting it. Yeah. And when you say fast fashion, um, I am not sure I've watched a documentary on it as well. I'm not sure if it's the one you're referring to, but from what I understand of that term, it's, you know, it's creating um, items and then creating a need through fashion for no other purpose than reselling and upselling and making sure your bottom line increases as a vendor and a designer. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And conscious capitalism being tied into all of that, um, I think is, is incredibly important as well. And a lot of people I think are beginning to look at these things as they have, you know, um, product design companies and, and wanting their, um, their audience and their consumers to really understand that they're thinking about those things. You know, a lot of times it's just having companies open that dialogue that they have looked at those issues and they're open to that dialogue is really important. Um, and so it's cool that you're taking that length of time to develop the backpack and, you know, and not just dropping the first one you see and then doing little improvements. Um, hello, Apple, I'm talking to you, you know, (laughs) all these little updates and like, it's just like, oh no. Um, but so you're, you're planning on moving into wholesale and then into retail and like really, uh, methodically, it sounds like looking back over and maybe implementing a couple of more designs. I'm wondering, um, I always wrap up the conversation with everyone, um, and I can't wait to get your take on it because you're still so fresh in your world. But <laughs> if, if one of your girlfriends came up to you tomorrow and said, listen, I've got this great idea. I'm going to launch this um, you know, accessories moment. Um, I think I'm going to do a Kickstarter campaign. I'm not quite sure. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give her to kind of help her along that endeavor? Mm. So she wants to launch an accessory brand and she wants to do a Kickstarter. So I would, I would encourage her because I think people should do anything that they believe in and are passionate about. Um, and I would just tell her to take it step by step. So there are a lot of steps and you can't predict them all. And it's, it's overwhelming when you think about it. So it's just easier to just take it one step at a time and you will get there. Um, because I know if I, when I started, I didn't foresee all of the work ahead. And if I did, I would have been intimidated and I would have been like, Oh, I can't do that. I would have assumed before I even started that I couldn't do it. Um, but I think it worked for me because I didn't think about all that. I just was like, what do I need to do next? Or if I had a a problem show up. It's like, all right, how do I solve that? And then um, figure it out. So 
I would encourage her to just start at the very beginning. Um, so design the bag. And then if she doesn't know how to get it produced, design it first. And then maybe, you know, you can reach out to your network and see if anyone can help you refer you to a manufacturer or um, something like that. So it's interesting because I, I did a workshop yesterday on crowdfunding where I talked about my story and um, a guy in the workshop asked like, well, it sounds like everything for you just fell into place. Like you had worked at Louis Vuitton, um, your dad, you know, new manufacturers and even with shipping, like he's, he asked how I got everything in like a full container of <laughs> bags. And yeah. I, I had asked um, a friend who did shipping what shipping um, company I should use. And he referred me to a good one. But he was just kind of saying like you had all the connections, so the stars aligned for you and it would be really hard for anyone else. But I believe everyone's experience is different. So like just because it, it aligned for me because of my life experience. Um, for example, I do have a friend right now who is thinking about starting a company and she wants to use Kickstarter, but her product is so different from mine because of her life experience. Um, it's like around, it's related to something she used to do in her career. And so then her connections are associated to what she did in her career. So for her to create that is going to work because of her connections, her experience, her network, we all have different things. So sure. I, I just think like, if you even thought about making a bag, there is a, there's a reason you, you, you worked around them or you know them very well, or you have friends that are obsessed with them. So you're going to have like, probably someone in your network who can help you along the way um if that makes sense so I guess I'm just saying like because the person who asked me was a software developer so he's not going to make a bag he's probably going to do something in software and he has the connections for it and I I don't so right so you have encouragement take it step by step and everyone's life experience is different so draw from what you've got yeah I like that those are good (laughs) That's awesome. Well, we are out of time, but I just wanted to say thank you so much, uh, Stephanie, for talking to us today about you guys can find out more about her and read everything. She's got workshops going on as well that she kind of briefly dropped in on us um, just a second ago, but um, you can find everything out on her website, www.pursuecollection.com. That's P-E-R-S-U collection.com. And Stephanie, thank you so much for taking your time today to share all of your information. I'm going to circle back around in a year and see if I can persuade you to talk with us again and find out where you're at. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for giving us your time for this half an hour. And until we chat again, remember to always bet on yourself. Sláinte. (laughs) 